Good morning, everybody. I feel like because Rosa's away, I need to get you to do that again. Because she would be very disappointed in that, wouldn't she? Good morning, everyone. That's better, Rose. We miss you. Um, God bless you all. Thank you for being here. And uh, Pastor Joel is still on holidays. We're blessing them in their final days. So continue to pray for Pastor Joel and Sonia and family as they're enjoying um, the summer, a bit of a break in the summer. And uh, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Sam Alessio and Pastor Katie Alessio was on piano and Hope Alessio was singing here. And uh, they pastor the Foursquare Church in Powell River. Uh, Living Water Foursquare Church in Powell River. And um, if Powell River sounds familiar, it's because Katie and I are sisters. I'm not sure if you could tell. Um, but yeah, Katie and I are sisters. And um, so they're on a bit of, not really a holiday, they're here for a wedding. Um, so they got roped into worship. And people were like, oh, it's so, so nice of you to serve while you're on you know, a break and whatnot. And I'm like, Jokers, two weeks ago I was in Pell River on holidays and I preached. So, you know, we just keep it in the family. And, uh, you know, they help here, we help there, and it was just great to have them. So thank you, uh, Sam and Katie and Hope. And uh, Rachel is also around here a lot, and she has served um, the other, other daughter, my other niece, and she has served with cleaning and all kinds of stuff over the months and everything. So... Thank you, Alessios, for being here. We're continuing on in our Ephesians series. We're in chapter six, um, continuing with the armor of God because really we could spend a lot of time in the armor. And as I was thinking about it, I wanna let you know that the sermon started with talking about all the pieces of armor. And then I went, that's way too much for 30 minutes. And then I cut it back to three pieces of armor. And then I cut it back to two pieces of armor. And just this morning I was sitting there and I'm like, really, I should have just done one because there's so much in these truths and so much goodness in these passages of scripture that to sit in it and let it fully take hold in us today is my prayer. And just sitting in truth and sitting in righteousness, these two big words, this past week, just Running, hiking, walking, praying, reading, sitting in truth and righteousness has been such a powerful week for me. And I wanna talk about these two and set you forward in a week of being able to walk and sit and think and chew on truth and righteousness so that we can stand our ground. Ephesians 6, 13 and 14, picking up where we left off last week, it says, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. We're not getting anywhere past the belt of truth in place, and the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the armor of God. I talked briefly about this last week, but the idea of using armor to understand these, these things, righteousness, truth, peace, 
you know, faith and all of these things. It's figurative language. So we're gonna go back a little bit to high school and some people are already groaning. I'm gonna talk about English for a moment and I recognize entirely that scripture is not written in English, but it has been translated for us to understand. And when Paul uses this idea of put on the armor of God, how many know he's not talking literal armor? He's not talking metal, chain, whatever it would be. He's not talking leather. He's not talking you know, concrete. He's not talking a literal piece of something you put on. He's using metaphorical language. So last week I mentioned I've had a a lot of questions over my years of ministry about, well, how do I know I have the armor of God on? How do I know if I haven't taken it off? How do I know how often I have to put it on and take it off? And that question illustrates the incomplete nature of a metaphor. So just take a pause for a moment and I'll return to that idea of something being incomplete. But if I said to you, Zebra-like colors teased my eyes. If I said to you, zebra-like colors teased my eyes. What colors am I talking about? Black and white. We know that, but do we know what I'm looking at? I could be looking at a page of text. I could be looking at a pair of dice. I could be looking at a panda. We don't know what I'm looking at. We just know the colors of what I'm looking at because of the metaphor I used. So we use this metaphor, put on the armor of God, but we need to understand what about armor Paul is wanting us to understand. Is he wanting us to understand, put it on, take it off, put it on, take it off? I don't think so. He wants us to understand the strength. He wants us to understand the protection, the cover, and even the responsibility of our relationship with God. He wants us to understand that armor in place helps us stand in the evil day, helps us stand against not flesh and blood, but against the powers and principles of this world. That the armor of God, that these principles, truth, righteousness, faith, the word of God help us stand So the nature of this metaphor is strength in my relationship with God. It's protection from the world and disappointment and the enemy. It's a covering of my life. And it also bears a responsibility. A responsibility to walk out faith. To stand my ground. To be a light in the darkness, to stand in hope for people that are hopeless, to care in areas of brokenness and bring defense 
for maybe people that are around me that need a defender. Stand your ground and put on the armor. It's not about whether it's on or off. Put on the armor is put on the armor and put more on and put more on and put it on again. It's not about whether it's like off and cleaned. It's about building righteousness and building truth and building the gospel of peace in my life and through my life. It's not about whether it goes on and off. It's not about what the armor is made of. And it's not even about whether there's a full set because if you read commentaries, they're like, well, what about the back of the person? What about like the legs? Like there are pieces of armor that are not in this list. The main point this day that I would like to circle around is that the armor of God represents dynamics of our relationship with God, which is very similar to last week, that we continue in. It's not something we put on and take off. It's about continuing in righteousness, continuing in truth. It's about strength and protection and cover and responsibility. Over the last couple months, we on Sunday evenings did a, um, like a curriculum type ministry training experience called Doing What Jesus Did. And the, the first part of it, the first week of it is introducing this posture of prayer. And it's got like six steps in it. And I've talked about one of them before where you search me, oh God, and every week I hope, every day I literally hope that when I say search me, oh God, God's like, we're good. I've said this before. And every time I say search me, oh God, God's like, okay. How about you just kind of work on this? You know, it's not huge, but your attitude's a little stinky. Well, another part of this prayer is putting on the, right, putting on the armor of God. And you, you just pray, I, I put on truth. I put on righteousness. I put on salvation. Let me tell you, if you pray, put on truth, it's really hard to not walk in truth. As we raise our level of awareness of something, going through my day. I just remember so many times where it's not like I'm a liar or it's not like I'm like out to deceive people, but even in the smallest ways, there is room for the Holy Spirit to just say, do you mean what you're saying? Even if it's, we should grab coffee soon, do you mean what you're saying, Jen? Because if you pray, I put on truth, I walk in truth, I put on truth, I put on righteousness, I walk in a right relationship with you, God, I, I put it on this day, and as I go out into this world, I walk in truth and righteousness. We're just gonna hang out with those two today. It raises this awareness so that as I'm walking in my life, as I'm considering people around me, as I'm considering situations, I have these lenses that I'm seeing through. It represents, the armor represents dynamics in our relationship that we continue in. So wherever you're at, beginning, middle, years down your journey with God, these things are stuff we continue in. We continue to pray, God, truth over my life, through my life, in every word I speak. 
in every thought of my mind and act, attitude of my heart, God, make it truthful. John 14, six says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is part of the first point I'm making today. I'm gonna to make two points. One, stand in truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And later in John chapter 14, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And those verses 16 and 17, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, that when he ascended to the Father, he would send, he would ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and then he names one of the attributes, one of the names of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth, who will live in you. We have this truth. The armor includes put the belt of truth on. Jesus says, I am the truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. That word is a very powerful word. It means what is true in any matter under consideration. True notions of God and our religious duties. Don't get caught up in that phrase, religious duties. True notions of God and our life lived for him, in obedience to him, in relationship with him. Objectively, this is what our goal of truth is, to live a life of truth under any circumstance. Truth of who God is. We were singing, that is who you are, that is who you are. And sometimes when we're caught in those words, we need to remind ourselves of who God is. He is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. He is greater in me than he who is in the world. He is hope. He is kind. He is entirely beyond loving. He loves us more than we can hope or imagine. Beyond depth and height and width and breadth, he loves us. We need the truth of who God is. I uh, started going to church in, uh, when I was a little kid. And so when you're little and you're in Sunday school, at least back in the day when I was little and in Sunday school, we heard a lot of the stories. Noah, Daniel in the lion's den. Now these stories are fantastic. But they can create an idea of God that is angry, that is a bit of performative. In, in the Daniel stories, there's this idea that if I worship and do what is right, God will protect me. And as a child, now hear me out and stick with me, because as an adult, I've had a lot of these ideas reformed and I, I understand God better. But as a child, when you're forming these understandings of God, you just make sense of your world and you can 
take in this understanding of God that the God of the Old Testament is angry, out to get people, and not all that great to be real. That's my view. This is my story I'm sharing right now. And I distinctly remember I was reading in Exodus, and uh, Exodus chapter 34 to be exact, and Moses at that time, the 10 commandments had been given on these stone tablets and Moses had gotten mad and broken the stone tablets and it's really funny because people make me mad sometimes too and I would throw rocks. And so it just kind of like, I was amused reading it just fresh and new one day and I was just amused. And in the exchange where God replaces these stone tablets, he also says in Exodus 34 verse six, I am gracious and compassionate slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And I was like, whoa, hold the phone. Hold the phone. If you don't know that meta metaphor, Sam, my brother-in-law is like not the quickest on metaphors. If you don't know the metaphor, hold the phone, it just means like stop, pay attention, listen. God, you're saying in the midst of the people's rebellion, the leader's anger, and all of this having to do it again for them, you are gracious and compassionate and slow to anger. Whoa. And if you look at the Old Testament through a foundation of the fact that God is loving and compassionate, towards his people, my brain had to let go of a few things. It had to recalibrate and re-understand and, and consider, okay, well, what does this mean? How does this form? How does this form my relationship with God and my understanding of who he is? What does this mean? We need truth in who God is. God is love and God is holy. And if we've banked our life and God is holy, we might need a fresh revelation of the fact that God is love. And if we've banked our relationship on God as love, we might need a revelation of the truth that God is holy. Those two things are not exclusive. They are held in beautiful tension that God is full of love and totally holy and worth obedience and sacrifice. God is generous, God is forgiving. I don't know what you need to hear today. God is kind. He's not punishing, he's restoring, he's redemptive. But we need that truth of who God is. We need those times of letting go of our understanding of fear of God and having that renewed in an awe of God. We put on the truth of who God is. We put on the truth of scripture. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Joel talked about hermeneutics, and I know we've had a few people sign up if he did a class and he's been away, so we haven't followed up with it. But that study of understanding scripture and the context and tradition and in community is incredibly powerful because we need truth in how we understand and apply scripture. We need to be understanding it, not just 
taking it in or not just going with every wind of doctrine that we hear. Oh, I hear this preacher say it means this. Oh, I hear this preacher say it means this. Oh, I, Pastor Joel says it means this. How do we discern what is true? How do we understand scripture? We need to be people who are continuing in our journey of understanding scripture because it is an incredibly powerful part of our relationship with God. We need the truth of scripture and the truth of community in our life. And we also need to consider the truth of who I am. The final song today is, includes the line, I am a child of God, yes I am. I need a, a right understanding of who I am. I read you the objective definition of truth being true under all the circumstances, the subjective definition of truth, the part of this that is considered and wrestled out in my life, and this is straight from a Bible dictionary, is the truth of mind, which is free from affection, pretense, falsehood, deceit. A truth of mind that is free from affection, which is like affected because of things done to me, thoughts, things that have happened, whatever it would be. So a truth of mind that is free from affection, pretense, falsehood, and deceit. As a Christian, as a Christ follower, as a child of God, Simply as a human in this world, a process of putting on the armor of God includes putting on the truth of who I am and what it means to be a follower of Christ. A couple weeks ago, Ruth Orbeck was here talking about how their journey had included <laughs> a bit more time here than anticipated. And part of why they were here, or part of what they've been doing while they were here, is journeying with a few people in the process of wellness that they have used um, overseas and I'm sure they will continue to use. And I was one of the people that got to spend time with her. You are jealous, I know for a fact. I was one of the people that got to spend some time with her and, and journeying through this um, program of we're not gonna get into it all because it's quite deep and there are people here that would be like, yes it is. So right before she left, I was going on holidays and we met the week before I went on holidays and she didn't know what I was doing and she said, you know, you're at this point where you're letting go of lies about yourself. You're letting go of these things that we've identified in your life. You're, you're letting these things go. And I just can't help but see you like, laying down rocks, like laying them down, like literally like throwing them. You've put the words and the lies and the, the things that you've believed about yourself and the situations and the relationships and all of these things, you've written them on these rocks and you're just like throwing them, like off mountains and paths and stuff. And I was like, well, I'm going on holidays next week and I'm going to Pell River and that's going to include a lot of hiking. She's like, you can put them in your backpack. Now, if somebody says to you, you can put rocks in your backpack and go hiking, you know what I know? <laughs> You're not a hiker. <laughs> 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 
Ruth, I love you, but the idea of putting rocks in my backpack, I was like, nah, girl, I'm good. But it sat with me and sat with me and sat with me. And I said to a friend, I was like, do you think it, there's any power in it? She was like, it doesn't hurt to try. And I was like, you're not a hiker either. <laughs> but I decided to try. And so I sat there one night when I was on holidays in Pell River and I got a bunch of rocks from the, the driveway and I had a pen and I just prayerfully went through the last few weeks with Ruth or months with Ruth, my life, just whatever surfaced. And I wrote on these rocks and I put them in my backpack. And when I got to the top of this hike, you can show the picture. Out of my backpack, I started pulling rocks. And the two people I was with were like, what are you doing? <laughs> right, Hope? Hope is one of my hiking buddies. What are you doing? And I said, it's an illustration. But it was more than an illustration. On each of those rocks were lies, were relationships, were points of my life that are painful that I didn't necessarily know had built up lenses that I was viewing present relationships through, that I was reacting out of, that I was responding out of. And I prayerfully considered all of the things and I, I wrote them on the rocks and I went to the edge and I know that the idea was like throw them along the path, but I just didn't want to, I didn't want them anymore. I just was so tired of them. I didn't want them anymore. And I started like one by one throwing them off the mountain and I was like, I don't even wanna do this one by one. And I just took them and I just like threw them off the mountain and hoped nobody was below. <laughs> and I wish I could say, you know, it was like, yeah, victory and done. But you know what happened? A couple days later, we were hiking again. I went into my backpack and what did I find? Picture number two. <laughs> One little rock. A couple days later, I got in my car to go home and my niece had put a bunch of rocks in my car. Because this is an ongoing journey. There was great freedom. There is great freedom in my life. I am not attached to those rocks that I threw off the mountain. I actually wrote them all down and I go over them and I'm like, this has no hold on me. But things, I'm not naive enough to think that things won't come up again. It's ongoing. Some of my best, one of my best privileges in life is um, I flew home to do a funeral right after I'd lit, moved out of Powell River. Within the year, I flew home to do a funeral. And I was at the funeral tea and talking to some ladies that were in their mid-70s at that point. And they said to me, I don't want to end my life. I don't my, want my life to end without dealing with some things that have kept me limited, that have kept me not enjoying the fullness of who God is and who I am. And right there and right then in the funeral tea and then in a, a meeting after, getting to pray with them and have them let their own rocks go. Because I am who he says I am, 
not who the world has said I am, not who my parents have said I am, and I have great parents, not who teachers or friends or loved ones of any shape and variety. I am who God says I am. And putting truth on means walking out who I am in Christ. The second point is a short one today. Um, stand in righteousness. It says put on the breastplate of righteousness. Stand in righteousness. <laughs> when I preached in Powell River two weeks ago, it was all about righteousness. So um, this is like a collision of sermon prep and the same text of scripture I used there. Quite simply, sometimes we hear the word righteousness and we're like, I don't understand what that means. The basic definition of righteousness is right with God. It means I have relationship with God and it's good and right. If I have a righteous relationship with my sister, we're good. There's no conflict, there's no collision, there's no issues that need to be brought up into the light. Same with God. If I am righteous with God, I am in good standing, good relationship. Nothing squidgy about it. Romans 4, 17 through 25. I'm gonna go slowly through this text just because there's a lot in here, but it says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. This is referring to Abraham. Talking about him and believing God. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. And we're not gonna get into that story, but it's profound, in, profoundly encouraging that phrase. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. I think there might be some people here where you're facing hopelessness, and there's a word in here, against all hope, Abraham believed. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Oh my gosh, that preaches without me saying anything. He was fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Fully persuaded. We might need some full persuasion going on in here. Fully persuaded that God was able to do what he had promised. He had promised Abraham a son. And if you look back in these verses, his, he was nearly 100 years old. That's why he didn't have hope. He's looking at his 90-year-old wife and thinking, huh, okay. And he was fully persuaded that God was able to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. 
for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Quite simply, Abraham believed God beyond hope. He was fully persuaded that God was able to do what he said he could do and would do. We believe in God. We believe in Jesus who was raised from the dead, who was delivered over to death for our sins. We believe that and it is credited Credited, oh my gosh. When I was in Pell River, I said, everybody needs to say the phrase credited to him. It's not easy. Credited to him. If you're too shy to try it now, try it later. Try saying it many times over. Credited to him. We continue to put on righteousness when we believe God, when we Believe he is who he says he is, that he is a way maker, that he is a miracle worker. And when we believe in Jesus, we are credited with righteousness. We are brought into right relationship with God. It is a position and a process. I am righteous and I am becoming righteous. I am in truth, and I'm becoming full of truth. I wanna tell one final story, and then we're gonna wrap up today. My last name is Wright. My dad's name is Fred, and so I am a daughter of Fred Wright, and I have been all 42 years of my existence. About, um, well, in 2005, I was flying to Halifax for a national convention, and I should preface that my dad worked in Yemen for quite a number of years, and so when you live in Powell River, BC, and you work in the Middle East, you get a lot of air miles. And so at one point, my dad was like super elite in the Air Canada network of people that fly, planes that fly. And so we were, our tickets were booked on my dad's account and we flew to Halifax. When I say we, I mean me and my other sister, Tina. And so we arrive at the airport, uh, two like much younger versions of myself for sure, our mismatched luggage and we, you know, walk up to the counter and they pull up our reservation and then they kind of like noticeably kind of stand up straighter and they look at us and they're like, hello, Miss Wright, hello, Miss Wright. And they're like, I'm sorry, we cannot upgrade you to business class. And that was the first point where I'm kind of standing there going, what is going on here? And they're like, but we can put you right here and we'll give you all the treats and whatever of the business class and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, what's happening? Fly to whatever, we, there's a few stops because there's not a lot of direct flights to Halifax. Stop, get on the next plane. And they're, again, they're like, I'm sorry, business class is full. And I'm like, what is going on here? Get all the way to Halifax call my mom, call my dad, like, how was the flight? It was great. There was this little bit of weird thing going on where they kept apologizing for not upgrading us. My dad's like, that's because on your ticket, you'll notice it says somewhere super elite. It's like, it does. He goes, that's because you're my daughter. <laughs> oh, okay. 
Let's see what this does on the way home. So, there was greater confidence to ask for what I imagined could be true. Is there any room in business class? Here's my ticket. Not my name that matters, one iota, but my dad is Fred Wright. I am who he says I am. I'm a daughter of the king. I have hope when there is no good reason. I have faith. I have truth. Worship team, if you'd like to come and join me. There is a process in our life of paying attention to what God is revealing, to what God is showing. And the invitation today is to respond to that. Not to come up here necessarily, but as the scripture has been read, as Sam was praying, as this worship team was singing, as the songs were going forward, as prayers were prayed, as all of this day has unfolded, what is sticking out to you? What is God highlighting in your life? What is the process that he's inviting you to today? Is it to put on truth? Is it to walk in a, a righteous relationship? Is it to recognize my father is the king of all kings? To heck with business class, man. Just teleport me. <laughs> the faith to move mountains, the faith to hope again. Put on the full armor of God that you can stand in protection, stand in wholeness, stand and stand again and continue in this journey. I wanna pray and then we're going to spend just a moment in response and posture our hearts towards God as we turn to worship. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your power and your provision. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your freedom. I thank you that you are with us in this journey, that there are points of deep awareness, and then there's a lot of days of walking faithfully with you where maybe even if we can't see it, you're still working, you're still there. And I pray, God, that today would be points of amazing revelation and freedom and healing and letting rocks go. And also the gentle awareness of your amazing grace, of your profoundly deep love for us that chooses us, that frees us, that heals us. And I pray, God, that wherever we're at on our journey with you, we would be open and hearing of what you are saying in this place, of what you are speaking to our life. And I pray for freedom in this place. I pray for freedom that rocks would be let go of today. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.